podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football and basketball. So grab yourself a pumpkin brew or beverage of your choice. All the best smelling wildcats are here with Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Thank you. Thank you very much. Giving. Boom. Boom. The boys are back. And uh, it's not going to be fun. Definitely not going to be fun. But it is time to talk about that K-State versus Texas game. A uh, matchup of top 25 teams. And hey, uh, K-State's still in the top 25. Um, A matchup of two top 25 teams did not go the way we wanted. Final score being Texas 34, K-State 27 before we get in there of course we are always sponsored by manhattan brewing company i think we all could use a nice fresh delicious manhattan brewing company craft beer today i know i could um check out their tap room i'll be back in manhattan for the k-state basketball game i'll be making a stop into manhattan brewing company you guys are listening to this on release day. Uh, the Drone Tang era kicks off officially. No more exhibitions. No more secret scrimmages. It is a regular season game versus the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. And just in time for basketball season, Manhattan Brewing Company has the Tang Time IPA. Absolutely refreshing. The be- le- Legitimately one of the best IPAs I've ever had in my life. So go in there the next time you're in Manhattan, get a couple pints, get a four-pack to go, and next time you're in your liquor store, if they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company, tell them you want the best craft beer in the state of Kansas in the craft beer section. All right, um, let's get into it. Um, I won't be following the traditional... I can't. Even, I don't even know if I can call it the traditional outline anymore. Uh, Chauncey, no, no, no squeaking, no squeaking. I know you're the co-host, but no squeaking. Um, it's. I mean, it's not even the traditional outline because I only use it about half the time. Um, but first off, you know, it, it was a absolute uh, packed house. And it had the it had the chance to be an all time type crowd, an all time type atmosphere. Uh, but right from the jump, literally right from the jump. Well, first off, uh, we we win the toss and we defer. 
I don't see a lot of folks talking about that. Um, I like the move. Um, and we almost saw why, and I'm sure we'll talk about the sequence of why it almost was good. But on the fourth play of the game, first off, you, you get them to an early third down, and you're thinking, all right, here we go. They they pick it up. And then on the ve- on the fourth play of the game, you get a Julius Brents uh, targeting penalty. And it was targeting. Um, in modern-day college football, that is 100% targeting. Uh, and Julius Brents leaves the game. They get 15 yards. From that moment on, um, I, I felt like the atmosphere was just completely sucked out of the building. Uh, the defense early on uh, could not find any way to stop Texas. I I don't know how much of that was uh, momentum, how much of that was emotion, how much of it was truly Julius Brent's not being out there. But that moment on the fourth play of the game puts K-State's defense behind the eight ball for the rest of the game. Um, I'm not going to put a lot of blame on Julius Brent's for that play. He is an aggressive football player. And uh, I don't... Every single K-State fan would be mad if he didn't attempt to make a play uh, on the wide receiver to try to break up that ball. Every single person would have been mad. Um, I don't think there's much he could have done with the velocity he was, um, the way the wide receiver... Uh, kind of contorted his body, didn't re- leave a lot of strike zone um, to hit that wouldn't have deemed it targeting. Now, if you want to have a conversation in the offseason about the targeting rule, whether it's changing the rule, whether it's um, you know a, a yellow card, red card type system like you see in soccer, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but... I understand why they're trying to get some of those hits out of the game of college football. I didn't think it was malicious. I think that was just a football player trying to make a football play. But regardless, he's out. Um, A lot of the emotion drawn out of the stadium. Obviously, we can't get hardly any stops on defense in that that first half. One of the... only times we stopped them from scoring, Echo Boido made a play punching out a ball from behind that just as easily could have been a touchdown for them. So it was just an abysmal second or first half. You could you couldn't stop Bijan Robinson, and then there were two third down plays where they are able to throw back corner and get a touchdown. Uh, the, the defense couldn't do anything. They couldn't get any pressure. Although I think they did get pressure one time that almost resulted in a uh, turnover. Um, but you, you couldn't really get any pressure. You couldn't get off the field in the first half. Um, and, and it was truly an ex extraordinary play by Echo Boido that really got one of the only stops in that first half. Um, that said, the defense did turn it around in the second half 
and give K-State a chance to make that comeback. You know, down 31-10 to 10 at halftime, you're able to hold them to three points, get 17. Obviously wasn't enough. But uh, the, the defense did enough in that second half. Which begs the question, um, because they did make adjustments. You could see the way they were attacking the unbalanced formations. You could see the way they were attacking uh, the, the running game. It just kind of begs the question, okay, why wasn't the adjustment made earlier? You know, again, I'm I'm not a college football player. I'm not a college football coach. I do not know what all goes into making the adjustments that they did. But But it was just demoralizing to see the way Texas would just get just about everything they wanted. You look at the box score and you see Bijan Robinson, 30 carries for 209 yards, average seven yards a carry. Roshan Johnson actually had 8.9 yards a carry. We, we really, until the end, could not stop them. Could not stop them. Bijan uh, had 17 yards a catch as well. We had no answer. For, for the better part of the game and, and some absolutely big moments, the tackling wasn't there. The angles weren't there. Bijan Robinson's going to be a first-round running back in an era where running backs should not go first-round. And I'm, I'm not just saying, oh, he's going to go 32 to whoever wins the Super Bowl. That guy might be a top-10 pick as a running back. So he, he is very good, but we had no answer for it. And, and that's what was demoralizing because – K-State came into this game as the top defense in the Big 12. The top defense in the Big 12. And generally a pretty decent rush defense outside of that TCU game. But just like that TCU game, we were giving up yards, just gobs of yards after for the first uh, amount of contact. So that was really disappointing. Um, first half offense... Um, you know, first off, we went with Adrian Martinez. I know a lot of folks, a lot of folks uh, didn't want that. There are a lot of folks in game and even after a game who were trying to uh, say, oh, we should have gone with Will Howard. Anyone who's saying that is a clown. Anyone who is saying that is trying too hard. Adrian Martinez had a great game, a lot of it in the second half. Yes. There were two turnovers that came in a really bad time, and I'll talk about those here in a little bit. But he had a better passing performance than Will Howard did versus a much better defense. I know some people are going to point to, oh, look at Texas's d- defense. It was abysmal. The Oklahoma State defense was missing like three or four starters and, and a couple of guys uh, on the number two spot on the depth chart. So I don't, I, I don't have any time... For anyone who is going to sit here and absolutely trash Adrian Martinez and sit here and say it should have been Will Howard. I don't have any time for that. There is nothing I saw from Will Howard's game that would have led me to believe that we win that game with Will Howard. None at all. None at all. Because almost all of the big plays in the passing offense came with... 
Adrian Martinez keeping the ball alive. So many great plays. A lot of the chunk plays last night were from Adrian Martinez being able to keep the game alive. Which brings me to the second point I wanted to touch on on the offense as a whole. The offensive line in some very big moments on some very big plays did not help out Adrian Martinez. Now, I think for the most part, and, and, and that might be unfair. That that might be unfair because the defensive line for Texas is very good. But especially towards the end of that game, when Texas knew we were in hurry-up mode, they pinned their ears back and we couldn't stop them from getting pressure. We couldn't stop them at all. So, I... It, it, that that was a frustra- frustrating part of it all. That was a real frustrating part of it all. Um, but ultimately, it, it, it was a painful loss because of for the first time for the first time all season we we no longer control our destiny to get to Arlington, and that's why it hurts the most. Um, Texas, I actually think, is the best team in the Big 12. Um, they have laid some stinkers out there. They lost to a very bad, not very bad. They, they lost to a not-so-hot Texas Tech team, a Texas Tech team that may not make it to a bowl game. And they lost to Oklahoma State, who was running on fumes towards the end of that game, and we really just put the beat down on that Oklahoma State team who was coming off of that Texas loss. So they are more than capable of losing games. But when they're on, there isn't a team that can touch them. There's a reason why they opened up as a seven-point favorite over TCU, who very well could be in the top four in the next college football playoff rankings. Texas is that good when they are on. And they were on for large portions of that game. So I'm not overly frustrated and I'm not overly mad about the performance K-State put on the field. Now I'm going to get to some things. I'm going to get to some of the controversial moments, um, some of the frustrations I do have. But all in all, I was not displeased with the performance the players put out on the field. Again, I'll get to the parts where I'm legitimately frustrated about that game. But I think the players, for the most part, put a good shift out there. They struggled against an elite tight end, an elite running back, and a really good defensive front three. Which caused us problems. And ultimately, it helped dig a hole that was too big for us not to play perfect in the second half. And we played, Texas played perfect in the first half. K-State played really well in the second half. That's the difference. That's the difference. Perfect versus very well. That was the difference. And and, and uh, again, when you look at the goals coming into this season, This is Chris Kleiman's most talented roster that he's had so far. The goals were to get to Arlington, and if you don't get to nine wins by the end of the season, 
it's not a failure, but you're going to be f- pretty fucking disappointed. And none of that is dead yet. None of that is dead yet. I, I'm pretty sure Baylor are going to open up. I haven't checked, but I'm sure Baylor will open up his favorites. But even that game on the road is not impossible. West Virginia looks like they might be on the verge of firing Neil Brown. And congrats to KU. They're bowl eligible. But there's nothing about that game at home that makes me think we're, we're not going to win that game. Nine and three is still perfectly on the table. And for what it's worth, Texas still has TCU. They still have to go to Kansas. And they still have Baylor. So I don't think it is out of this world that you that you can't find your way into Arlington. Now, the Tulane loss looks frustrating because, again, uh, as you're fighting to get to that next level, to get to that nine or maybe ten win season, uh, losing a non-con game, albeit versus the team that might be the New Year's Six representative for the group of five, it's still a home loss to a group of five team. So I'm not sitting here and saying that with the three losses that have occurred, uh, everything is fine. Oh, nothing is wrong, anything like that. No, I have a lot of frustration with how these losses went. But I'm not in full meltdown mode. You know, I was close versus Tulane. I, I, I really was. If people go back and listen to that, I'm not, you know, burning it down. I'm, I'm not uh, throwing the season away because here's the thing. We, we have followed up every single loss with outstanding performances. And if you can keep that going, if you can take care of business on the road in Waco, everything is still available to you. Everything's still available to you. Again, I thought Adrian Martinez had a very good night. I thought Deuce Vaughn running the ball, getting 73 yards versus defense like that. Another 86 receiving. That was great. Malik Knowles was absolutely electric out there. Sadly, it looks like he got hurt late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I never heard, and granted, I haven't dug deep enough trying to find the answer to this, but that that sucked. You know, not having him on those final drives, that sucked. But Cade Warner came up with another big night, 5 for 52. Ben Sennett up over 40 yards again. Phillip Brooks, 3 for 37. You know, two really good performances. Jacob Parrish has to come out and play against, at times, one of the best wide receivers in the country as a true freshman. He stepped up to the challenge. Was he perfect? No. Would we have been better with Julius Brents out there? Yes. But he stepped up and he had a big game. Eli Huggins tied for the lead on the team for tackles. He played really well. Kobe Savage played great. And I tell you this. On the third down where we had to get a stop to get the ball back at the end of the game. To give the offense a shot at tying the game up. He was a half step away from getting to that ball on that toss before B. John Robinson did. And oh buddy. Oh buddy, things could have things could have been a little different. But he played that absolutely perfectly. We played that third down absolutely perfectly. 
again, the defense in the second half played very well. But the problem is when you allow the opponent to play great in the first half, play perfect in the first half, you have to be better than very well in the second if you want to come back. So it was just just not enough. Just not enough. Again, you I, for the individual players, I do not have any complaints at all. At all. It just sucks that the hole was dug so big. It it, it sucks. Again, also, just individual players, just want to give a shout out again to Echo Boido. Also, Felix DK Uzama, the the defensive end's getting held all night. Uh, Still a couple times getting close, really coming close to getting some of those big hits. Brandon Mott had a massive hit that I thought was going to end in an interception. And again, all that could have just, just you know, tilted the ball the other way. Before we get into some of the coaching decisions, um, remember we're also sponsored by Charlie Hustle. I'm currently wearing something from their Arrowhead collection as I'm recording this on a Sunday. And it is my favorite shirt to rock on Sunday during NFL Sundays. But beyond that, they have the most stylish. They have the most comfortable. They have the best looking officially licensed k-state gear in the world i'm gonna be rocking my k-state charlie hustle crew neck to bramlage coliseum on monday for the official beginning of the jerome tang era and i think all of you should be rocking your charlie hustle today as well if you want to get your hands on the new lavender varsity jacket i'm sure you've seen it on social media i'm sure you saw it on saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. That awesome, that just sexy looking lavender varsity bomber style jacket with the cocaine Willie logo. I should use the, the throwback Willie logo. I won't use our verbiage on their product with Kansas State on the back and varsity font. If you've seen it, you want it, you got to go to charliehustle.com to pick it up or shop on the Country Club Plaza. They also have some of their K-State gear in select Manhattan retailers. So get your Charlie Hustle stuff today. Get it. Okay, Um. again, uh, the coaching decisions, I already touched on uh, the quarterback decision. I, had, I have no issues. You guys who listened to me all week last week heard me say, no, I, I, I want Adrian Martinez if he's available. And that's what we got. And, and I think that was the right choice. I stick by that. I think that was the correct choice. I stand by it 100%. And honestly, while there were some folks, a handful a little bit more loud than others, a few of them a little bit more absolutist than others, but for the most part, I think K-State fans realize and appreciate the game Adrian Martinez had. Let's go to a uh, coaching decision 
that, um, again, I, I don't see a lot questioning the coaching decision, but it did lead to an unfortunate time for Adrian Martinez's first interception. Now, part of this goes hand-in-hand with deferring the opening kick decision. And this is why I like the decision. You hold Texas to a field goal. And actually, well, no, I'll I'll, I'll do it in this order. You, You hold Texas to a field goal. It is 24 to 10. You have the ball with a minute 35 left. Now, the entire Chris Kleiman era up until this point, Chris Kleiman runs the ball, goes to halftime, down 14. There's some boos, some frustrated people on Twitter, all that type of stuff. Instead, on that first down play, we pick up 13 yards in a pass to Cade Warner, Things are rolling. You're on the K-State 33. You're thinking to yourself, all right, can you get points? Get it to, hell, you score a touchdown, you're going down at half, only down seven. Get a field goal, only down 11. And you get the ball. But then on that second first down, that second play of that drive, Adrian Martinez trying to push the ball down the field Doesn't see a linebacker. Relatively easy interception. Texas then scores a touchdown to end the half on another kind of back corner toss to Xavier Worthy. And again, on a third down. (laughs) Man. Both those Xavier Worthy uh, touchdowns in the back corner. That, uh, you know, that northeast corner. Both on third downs. Whew, that hurts. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you're going down 21 instead of 14. Now, I, I think a lot of you know what side I'm going to fall on this. Um, obviously, you don't like the outcome. You don't like that it resulted in an interception and then a corresponding touchdown by Texas. But I was all for trying to move the ball and get points. All for it. That was something that Chris Kleiman, I have been critical of Chris Kleiman at the end of half possessions his entire career. I'm not going to get mad at that. And again, a frustrating interception. A very frustrating interception. I'm not I don't give Adrian Martinez a pass for that interception like I, I, I do his fumble at the end of the game, and we'll probably talk about that. Uh again, a, a frustrating interception. But I'm not mad about trying to pick up those points at the end of the half. I'm not. I'm glad we did it. And I hope this wasn't a situation that K-State shies away from moving forward. The next thing I want to talk about, and and again, um, more uh, curious than frustrated, but the the times Chris Kleiman decides to go for it on fourth down and when he decides to kick it. Typically, we've seen games... 
where he's all in one way or the other. You know, I where it's like, all right, hey, this is a game where we're we're going for it. We're not kicking field goals versus hey, we are we are kicking field goals. Now, again, not not overly frustrated, but a little confused or I I guess I would like a unfiltered conversation with coach Kleiman to talk it through. You know, the first time kicking the field goal, I was I was fine with it. Hey, get points. I understand. Uh, the second time where we decided to go for it, again, it, it, it was a fine play call. Uh, you know, I think of Adrian maybe a little bit early. Maybe Philip Brooks um, makes a little bit more of a big-time play. That's a touchdown. And then the second time kicking the field goal, you know, uh, in the fourth quarter when times are rolling, I'm not mad about the field goal. I'm mad about some other things when it comes to uh, how that drive went. But all in all, not not too frustrated at all. Now, if if you kick the field goal that uh, all, you know that first time where, where you don't pick up the touchdown, does that really change much? Uh, no, no, I I don't think so. Um, you know, if everything else plays out the exact same way, you're still needing a touchdown late instead to tie it to win it. Um, ultimately, it does not end up hurting you. But but I would be curious to truly get an unfiltered uh, conversation because again, uh, when you start kicking the field goal, when you kick that first one, when it becomes obvious, by the way, you you kick that field goal. Uh, when it was obvious that you were not getting stops. You were not getting stops in that first half versus Texas. So you know this is going to be a game you're going to have to score a lot of points in. I'm just curious kind of how you dictate, uh, okay, this is when we're going for a field goal versus not. Now, here's where I, I do have some frustration. From the get-go in that third quarter, uh, from the start of that second half, you know you're going to have to score a lot of points. You are coming out of out of the gate, out of the gate, down twenty-one. Why are you not running urgency from the jump? From the jump. You need to have more urgency. You need to run with just a little bit of tempo. Now, I'm not saying snap the ball every five seconds, but there was times, there were times in that third quarter and in the fourth quarter that you're running the play clock close to down to zero. Now, I understand, especially with how bad that first half went versus Texas, you're like, all right, no, you, you, we need to hold the ball as much as we can. But when you're down 21, all of that has to go out the window. Just has to completely go out the window. Specifically going to that second to last drive we have. Here's here's my biggest level of frustration with that entire thing. It's not kicking the field goal. But if, if kicking a field goal was ever on the table... 
which obviously it was. You have to know that from the jump, and you have to play with a lot more urgency, with a lot more pace. Because if you are kicking that field goal, you are essentially saying, not only do we need to get a stop, because you're going to need a stop regardless, no matter the situation, because we gave up a field goal that drive before. That drive before, you, you, you gave up a field goal. And you, you did let Texas take six minutes off. You know, you had a third, excuse me, let them take four minutes off. You let them convert a third and two. And then you had, you, you got the stop on third and seven. You know? I'm just looking at the drive chart and getting pissed off again. Not pissed off. I'm just sad. I'm just sad because I I really wanted really wanted that win. And also, I, let, let me just say this because again, I'm looking at that drive chart that resulted in them. Uh, them getting that field goal and getting it to two two possessions. The defensive holding and the late late hit call on Daniel Green pretty frustrating. Pretty frustrating. Again, we we, we didn't we, we didn't get a stop until you know they were inside the ten. So w- were we going to stop them from getting the field goal range? I don't know. But again, still pretty frustrating. Uh, that they got 25 yards worth of penalties on that drive. But they got a field goal. So you knew at this point you had to score twice. Getting the ball with 10.08. And you take six minutes and three seconds for 13 plays. You cannot do that. You cannot have a 13-play, six-minute drive that goes 65 yards. You cannot do that. You have to go with more urgency. The fact that on that play, or on that drive, on that drive, you were doing, it, it took up 363 seconds. 600, or excuse me, 363 seconds. It was taking almost 28 seconds per play. 28 seconds per play when you know you have to score twice or it's over. You know you have to. Just out of this world frustrated that you take that long. 
You should have been in no huddle. You should have had pace. 28 seconds per play. Down two possessions. With 10 minutes left in the game. And you're taking 28 seconds of play. I, I, I just livid. Just livid with that drive. And I think that is one of the shortcomings of Chris Kleiman. I think that, and we've seen it a few times at K-State. But the, the lack of urgency in some of these moments is maddening. Absolute maddening. And especially when you know kicking a field goal is on the table. When you are not selling out to go all in to score a touchdown. The fact that you were going to set it up so you needed a game-tying touchdown at the end of the game instead of a game-tying field goal or a game-winning touchdown, that makes it even worse. I'm just sick to my stomach over that second-to-last drive and the lack of urgency and pace. Just sick to my stomach. Do things go differently if uh, you know you're able to do that with four minutes and you have two minutes more left on the clock? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But I sure would have liked to see what would have happened. So so pretty frustrating there. The, the next level of frustration I have is how he decided to use, how Chris Common decided to use timeouts when we did get that stop. Now, I was saying... I was saying because when they got that ball, when Texas had the ball, there was four minutes and 15 seconds left. I was saying do not use a timeout until you get a third down stop or until they pick up their first first down. That's how I would have played it out. Now, Chris Kleiman called the timeout after the second down stop, and and I actually, I was okay with that. I was a little frustrated. I said, okay, you have to get a stop here at this point. You know, it wasn't do or die. It wasn't like get a stop or the game's over. But he was banking on getting a stop on that third down. And we do. It was one of the best plays of the game. Kobe Savage was just a millisecond away from slapping that pitch away and who knows what happens mad scramble for the ball he might pick it up score just an amazing play truly maybe the play of the game by Kobe Savage Chris Kleiman doesn't call timeout just lets 40 seconds run off the clock there doesn't use a second timeout once you use that first timeout, you have to use a timeout once you get that stop. Instead of getting the ball with, what, 2.43 left on the clock? You could have had the ball with three and a half, or 
uh, three minutes, 30 seconds left. 3.30 is what you could have had the ball with. You threw away almost a full minute not using that second time out there. Again, does it end up changing anything? I don't know. I, I, I don't have that answer for you. But that was absolutely the wrong call. And I don't think there's any justification to not call a timeout on that third down, no matter what the situation is. Again, I I was saying when it happened, I would not have used my first timeout on that second down because I didn't think we were going to get a stop. They proved me wrong. But if you're calling a timeout there on the, after that second down play, you were saying, hey, we're about to get a stop right here. And we get it. We blow it up and you don't call a timeout there. There's no excuse. Absolute no excuse. Now, the the, the final, uh, final drive, you know, you're starting at the 19. You, you get the ball all the way to the 40 or to the 50, you know, on a uh, Deuce Vaughn. Great play. Again, Adrian Martinez... Up until that point, great play being able to stay alive, dance around. It's the scramble drill. I I have no issues with it. Now, I know everyone was screaming, wanting the timeout, all that type of stuff. Look, I I would have called it as well. I would I would have called I would have called the timeout as well. Um, but they didn't. You're at the 50. Again, Adrian Martinez then on the very next play, it's 24 seconds left. You still have two timeouts. He's scrambling. At that point, he's at, I think, the 39. I don't think it was the 39. No, it was. You, it, it was fourth and six from the 50. You're on the Texas side. He's scrambling. Again, there's 24 seconds left. At that point, yeah, you probably need to call a timeout. Things are probably not going to go your way. Um, you know, th- there probably was not enough time. But, I, I mean, you, you got to the other side. Um, the, the fumble happens. He was trying to make something happen. He was trying to stay alive. Um, look, I... I understand some folks are really upset with Adrian Martinez. Two turnovers, uh, you know, during bad parts of the game and uh, references to the Nebraska, uh, his time at Nebraska coming up. I I don't fault him at all for that fumble. He's trying to make stuff happen. He's trying to buy time to find a big play downfield. I, and I know he fumbled a couple plays before that got out of bounds. I don't fault him at all for that. But... I think the mismanagement by Chris Kleiman when it comes to timeout usage on that final Texas possession costs you close to a full minute. I think the lack of urgency and how long it was taking you for every single play in that final uh, scoring uh possession that third that field goal possession I think that absolutely cost at least two minutes 
There's no no reason why that couldn't have been a four minute drive. Um, you know, I I I think that I think that the time management decisions really put Adrian Martinez in that offense in a near impossible situation. So that's where my big frustrations are. Again, um, the defense puts you in a horrible hole in that first half. The offense wasn't able to keep scoring with them in the first half. Um, Texas played near perfectly in the first half. K-State just played really good in the second. And when that is what's happening, you can't have the time management mistakes. When you end up looking at the stat or stats, K-State and Texas ended up averaging same yards per play, almost the exact same yards. It was two to two in the turnover uh, battle, all that type of stuff. It just uh, just wasn't meant to be. But when it when it is that close, when it's in the margins, when you know you're going to be playing a tight game, and you're going to need a final possession at the end either to win. Or to send the game to overtime. Just some really crucial time management mistakes. That's where I'm going to leave things with that game. Uh, Again, um, nothing is over. You know, we can still get... Nine wins, we can still get ten wins. We can still get to Arlington. We can still win a Big 12 championship. We're not in the driver's seat anymore. We're going to need help. Um, And Texas will be at least six-point favorites in every game they play from here on out. So it is going to take an upset, a pretty sizable upset, uh, to get to Arlington. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible, folks. Take care of business next week in Waco. We could be talking about how we're back in the driver's seat if TCU gets the job done versus Texas this time next week. It's all still on the table. We're just not in the driver's seat. Uh, it was a frustrating loss. And, and as pissed off as I am with uh, the Chris Kleiman uh, clock management decisions, because um, I'm going to address this in the Q&A, which I'm, I'm going to record here just a little bit later today because I will be going to uh, the uh, kickoff of the Jerome Tang basketball era. I believe it is a scheduled tip-off for 8 p.m. coming after the women's game versus University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. You can watch on ESPN+. Plus. Tickets available. So you can be there in Bramlage if you want. Um, ideally, I would much rather do an instant reaction to that show than do a Q&A show. Uh, but hey, it is what it is. I want to go to the game as well. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the game. Um, there are some folks on message boards. I even got a couple of questions about it. As mad as I am with Chris Kleiman and the clock management and the tempo decisions, um on that second to last drive that we had. Um, I'm not trying to fire Chris Kleiman. I'm not making some grand, we are never going to win the Big 12. We're never going to have a big time season under Chris Kleiman. That is not what I'm doing at all. That's not what I'm doing at all. Because there are people who are out there that are saying that. 
And I, I could not be further from that. That is not, I do not agree with that one bit. I'll talk more about it in the Q&A show, I'm sure. But it was a frust- it was a very frustrating mismanagement mistake by them in this game. I hope they find ways to learn from it. Um, but but I still have a great belief in Chris Kleiman and this coaching staff. A very great belief in this staff. And these players. I still think I think that they're going to come out and have one of their best games of the year versus Baylor. They, they've, they've followed up every single loss with, honestly, probably the three best games, or the two best games of the season so far. They've followed up after a loss. So I, I'm hoping, and I think we'll see that again this upcoming Saturday. And it'll be game on. It truly will be game on. So that's all we got. Not a fun episode. Uh, wasn't a fun game, but you know it, it is what it is. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, my co-host for all K State fans out there, um, we love you guys. Keep the chin up, keep the chin up, and go Cats. Oh, don't you know? We're on a podcast with Bosco's boys. Because I love your heads. We're on a podcast with Bosco's boys. Because I love your heads, baby. Meet me at the cat. Sports Social Podcast Network.